HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. For more information, visit meusa.com. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. This week, we're looking at the way labels shape our perspectives on food. I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but is it acceptable to judge a wine by its label? There are some labels that I'd say are so bad they're good. As long as your paperwork's in good shape, you'll get a grass-fed label. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network. That's meet plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd on Heritage Radio Network, and today I have in studio the author Tia Keenan, who has written her third or fourth cheese book, Melt, Stretch, and Sizzle, The Art of Cooking Cheese. Welcome, Tia. Thank you, Diane. Happy to be here. Now, is it your third or fourth? It's my... Third. Oh, okay. And the little one? The little one was the second. Okay. The short stack shove. Okay, okay. And do you have another book in your head? I have lots of books in my head. <laughs> <laughs> if only they would come out. Um, <laughs> I am going to... I'm pausing a little bit on the cheese books. Mm-hmm. Just giving myself... I'm letting myself enjoy this moment because I did have basically three books in three years. Yes, a lot of writing and and cooking and recipe searching. Yeah, so of course when you have a book come out like I did on October 3rd, Melt Stretch Sizzle, The Art of Cooking Cheese, (laughs) um, the first thing that people ask you is, well, what's the next book? Right, okay. Um, So So, I'm going to let myself... We'll take it easy. Marinate for a little bit. Okay, good, 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 good. So anyway, this is an amazing book. Thank you. Uh, It has so many various, weird, interesting, (laughs) ethnic recipes. Mm. Um, Now, one of my questions 
is what's the story with this book? Did you think it up? Did someone come to you and beg you? What What was the yeah, story? So I wrote a book called The Art of the Cheese Plate mm-hmm. um, that came out in 2000, late 2016. Which we all enjoyed. And it did well. Mm-hmm. And um, so when you have a book that comes out that people like, your publisher immediately comes to you and says, what's the next book? Okay. Um, So I pitched a book um, about hot cheese, about what happens when cheese and energy (laughs) collide. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to basically do a greatest hits of the basics of cooking with cheese. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to expose the reader to a more global perspective on hot cheese dishes. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to include, you know, mac and cheese and all that kind of stuff. But I also wanted to highlight some lesser known hot cheese dishes um, that weren't, I didn't want to just have like this sort of Americana focus. Mm -hmm. Um, And... So, so that was your proposal, and they went with it. Yeah, um, sure. They okay, went with it. Okay. Now, I notice you say most of these recipes can be made with grocery store cheese, mm-hmm. even for us cheese fanatics. Would you recommend that? Well, I mean, I really. It's interesting because when I started my career, I was in the nichiest of niches. So I was serving super rare um, handmade cheeses to New York City chefs, essentially, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and New York City cheese lovers. Um, most expensive, yeah, the hard most to expensive, the hardest, hard, mm-hmm. hard to find, the weirder mm-hmm. the better. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were purveyors that would buy stuff that was that was unusual because they knew that I would buy it (laughs) from them and take Mm -hmm. it off their hands. So, but as my career has gone on, my audience has gotten much larger and the cheese industry and the cheese culture has also changed. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make a book that was, um, more accessible, more accessible, but I want to, but I wanted people to know that you can cook with a broad range of cheeses mm-hmm. um, and that not everything has to that that a supermarket is the reality cheese purveyor for a lot of people and that mm-hmm. that's OK. But they've gotten better. Yeah, they have gotten a lot better. Um, and so when I talk about cheese in the different recipes, I'll often talk about a type of cheese or a mm-hmm. style of cheese as opposed mm-hmm. to like a specific brand of cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, I think there's something to be said for the fact that um, some cheeses aren't cooking cheeses. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to take a cheese that a cheesemaker who has a small production and spends so much time finessing the rind and the expression of that cheese and do much beyond eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, cheese for, for a lot of cheesemakers and styles of cheese, that's a finished product. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to then be turned into something else. Correct. It's meant to be enjoyed as the cheesemaker's manifested it. And the cost is sometimes right. so high that you want it pure. 
you you want to just enjoy the full yeah not taste. A, not every cheese is a cooking cheese and mm-hmm. and that's okay and i i try mm-hmm. in the book to really talk about like well what is a cooking cheese mm-hmm. and um what are we working with when we're working with cooking cheeses mm-hmm. okay now um did you have these recipes in your head already or which did you have to go find or invent yourself um, I pretty much, you know, my process for writing a book when I'm thinking about the recipes is I'll make a long, long list of like every dish that I'm possibly interested in. <laughs> Putting into the book. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I'll sort of start to carve away at that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there were things that I wanted to put in the book that seemed like a good idea conceptually, and then when I was recipe testing them, didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, that I want to know which. Well, I did have one. So there. So my husband is um, is Macedonian, mm-hmm. but he it belongs to an ethnic subculture called the Vlach, and they're mm. they. Sp- essentially speak like an ancient Romanian. Hmm. So I had been doing some research on Romanian cheese dishes because Romanians like cheese. Hmm. And um, I had a dish that I really wanted to put in the book, but I just couldn't make it work. That was like a, basically like a polenta ball stuffed with cheese that's grilled. Okay. Now, um, was it too hard to describe how to cook it? It was just I or, was making it. It wasn't feeling right. Okay. The recipes just it just wasn't, it wasn't coming. Working. It just wasn't working. Was it too hard to Yeah, it started to get describe no, it just started mm. to get complicated, and I felt like I couldn't make a good one. Okay. You know, I mean, if it's and not if working in my own kitchen. Right. Then, if you can't, then how can you tell yeah, people exactly. to try? Exactly. Yeah, that's not smart. You know, because um, then they'll, what if that's their first cheese that they make in the book and they don't succeed and yeah. then they think, oh, this book is too hard for me. Yeah. And I really wanted to make this, I wanted these recipes to be really simple because mm-hmm. I think people get freaked out about cheese. I mean, I was talking to um, Erica Kubik of Cheese Sex Death, mm-hmm. who's amazing. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how, oh, she can never get fondue right. And I'm like, here's this person who <laughs> is a goddess, a cheese mm-hmm. goddess. Mm-hmm. She blogs about cheese. She works in cheese. And she struggles with fondue. So I wanted to really like strip everything back and talk about some of the fundamentals of mm-hmm. melting cheese. Okay. And then provide recipes that could reinforce that lesson. Okay. Okay. That's, that's reasonable. Now, how long does it take to write this book? (laughs) And how did you budget your time? I know you're a mother, you're a cheese person, you have politics, you have a lot of things on your plate. Yeah, so I would say a cookbook takes two years to write, but a publisher wants you to write a cookbook in a year. So so I've only ever taken a year to write a cookbook. I would love to have two. Okay. Um, And I think everyone does it. You can't be late? I guess you can. I mean, the type of, for cheese books, they have to come out in the fourth quarter because oh, that's because when the holidays, holidays are. There's all okay. these things to consider. They're rules. They're rules. Yeah, and there's other people. I mean, you write a book, but then but then the book has to be designed and edited and mm-hmm. printed right. and and that takes a long time too. Mm-hmm. So it 
it takes, I think, about a year and a half to two years. But like the author's main but you're done. work right. is, I right. mean, you're not done after right. a year, but mm-hmm. the process of writing the book and mm-hmm. shooting the book is generally mm-hmm. a year. I'm mm-hmm. sure that I'm sure that like Ina Garten gets, you know, however many years <laughs> she wants, but that's not me and okay. I get a year. <laughs> now, is it all fun or what's the best part? What's the worst part? Um, writing for me is rarely fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I agonize over it. The words? Just everything. The recipe writing or the uh, interesting writing? No, the writing. recipe writing I generally like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just think there's different kinds of writers. Some writers mm-hmm. can write fast and don't need a million drafts. I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very slow writer. I like to edit, 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 edit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, always the most fun part of making a cookbook is making the photos. Ah, um, okay. I love that part of the work. It, that's the fun part for me. The mm-hmm. writing is slow and painful and solitary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so do where do you do it? Do you do it at home or do you where go do I write? out? Yeah. I do write go at out. home. Okay. Yeah. I mean okay. the fir- it depends on what's happening in my life. So the first book I had an infant and um <laughs> I wrote I wrote that book almost entirely at night. Ugh. So I would put the baby to bed and then I would write or I would write a little bit during the day and then rewrite at night mm-hmm. um, this one my son is in school now so um, you know I, I just that's my work day okay okay now did you insist on leaving things in or out of the book insist how so to yourself or to, to your editor or you know who who approves and disapproves yeah. of various things, or is it all you? No, I mean, you definitely, uh, it's, the, your publisher definitely has a big role. Um, ultimately, they get, they're buying a product, essentially, mm-hmm. from a writer, mm-hmm. and um, they have all the, Tools in their toolbox to evaluate. Yes, inside impact, impact a project. Okay. Let's put it that way. Okay, but do they know cheese as well as you do? Probably not. No, but they're not like you know. Publishers don't generally. They're not line editing. They're not mm-hmm. like looking line right. by line. Right. But they have a lot to say about what they think the market is ready for. And what they think is going to look right in their portfolio, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, I love your second line for recipes, where you <laughs> kind of make a a funny, <laughs> a, either a joke or, mm-hmm. a, you know. So, like, uh, baked feta with pickled peppers and dill is called Greek Delight. <laughs> And uh, let's see, paneer in minted pea sauce is called Passage to India. Mm-hmm. Now, did you come up with that idea? Was it, did you hate yourself after you came up with that idea <laughs> because you had to think of a, a 
you know, a no, way I to mean, describe everything? I have, you know, no, I have plenty to fuel of fuel to hate myself without that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, that wasn't high on the list. No, I actually wrote the book, and that was sort of a last thing that I added. I just okay. knew that I wanted to. Um, to have a certain feel and mm-hmm. I often use humor mm-hmm. um, to do that and I just felt like that was a fun yeah you know, I think it was a notes. good idea because some of the recipes are almost you know super descriptive so that you needed a lighthearted yeah. way to call the recipe right and I've always used humor because I think cheese people feel a way, feel a lot of intimidation around cheese and mm. so I've always used humor to sort of break it, that for right, people right, right. Um, so that it's not so serious mm-hmm. well I liked I liked those oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> so um, well I guess it's time for us to take a break and we'll be right back with Tia Keenan discussing melt stretch and sizzle <laughs> Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best-tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of the Swiss Gruyere into the United States, but that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kaltbach cave-aged cheeses, Der Scharfe Max, Appenzeller, Tete de Moin, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. Hi, we're back with Tia Keenan discussing Melt, Stretch, and Sizzle. Okay, so Tia, I yeah. notice you have um, a lot of suggestions for cheeses with additives uh, like garlic raclette, uh, Mediterranean style olives and sun-dried tomatoes in another mm-hmm. kind of cheese. Now, I am a little bit of a cheese snob. I only like Diane. I only like truffles mm-hmm. <laughs> in my cheese. So, where where are you on this? Did you used to be a cheese snob? Have you loosened up? Mm-hmm. Is it where for cooking? Am, yeah, where I am on that is the reality is mm-hmm. that a lot of American consumers like flavored cheeses. Ah! <laughs> Probably they're not among most of our listeners. I don't know. I don't I could be off. Well, I'll cop to this right now, okay. which is okay. my comfort cheese. Yeah. Is Havarti dill. Oh. So, come at me. Okay. Diane. Okay. Well, I don't Eat Havarti or dill, um, but in general, I don't personally. I'm not a. I'm not eating flavored cheeses a lot. Yeah. Um, but I'm writing for a general audience, right? And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna act like the choices that they make are stupid. 
Well, and I'm sure in cooking, it's sometimes very practical to have the flavor in the cheese already. Yeah, I mean, I don't have recipes that use flavored cheese, but I do have a bunch of sidebars that talk about some flavored cheeses. Mm -hmm. And I just know that people like them. And I feel like if I can direct people to flavored cheeses that are of a higher quality Mm -hmm. and help them be discerning about their choices at the market. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to, I'm not here to like, I'm not here to give people the seal of approval on their choices. Right. I'm here to help them to have a conversation about what they like, Mm -hmm. about what I like and to, to apply my expertise to that. Right. And to get them to cook more cheese. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not gonna shame people for their <laughs> their um, cheese choices. Cheese choices. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> now when I was reading about raclette, mm-hmm. I had to go have some pickles. I, I can't get through a cheese book without eating some cheese. Uh-huh. And then the pickles, I was like, oh my gosh. Um, now I see you have a shout out to Foster Sundry yes. as your favorite cheese and it butcher is. in it New York City. Now it takes you a while to get there from Kew No, Gardens. it doesn't actually because I live, so I live in the middle of Queens Yeah, where they're the Oh, closest, do you take Metropolitan? Yeah. The closest cheese shop in Queens is in Astoria and it actually takes me oh it takes might be farther longer mm-hmm. than to go to Foster Sundry and Foster Sundry is just such an amazing shop I mean it's here in the neighborhood where we're talking right now mm-hmm. um now you know Aaron in- has joined us on cutting the curve I have no doubt Aaron's wonderful we work together <laughs> at Murray's Cheese oh right and um they have a whole they have a whole animal butchery. They have a great cheese counter. They have mm-hmm. an awesome ice cream selection. They mm. have a wonderful, they have a great beer Excellent selection. Excellent beer. Excellent beer. They have a wonderful little. Coffee. Um, they're just, they're dry goods. Like it's not a huge, you know, it's not the Murray's approach or the mm-hmm. Dina DeLuca approach is mm-hmm. like every product you can find and put mm-hmm. it on the shelf. Um, I don't want to say curated, but it's a much more filtered um, mm-hmm. experience and mm-hmm. I, I just love it. It's a great shop. And we shot um we shot the last chapter of the book, which is entirely about Raclette, um, at Foster Sundry. Oh, okay. And the people in those photographs were like regulars of his. So oh, I just cool. asked him to invite regulars to the shop. Was there a party? Yeah. One we, scene is a party. Yeah. Is it at their wooden table yeah. in the bath? So we shot we oh, shot all excellent. of those at, at the shop. I was wondering who those people were. Yeah, they were just like regular. You know, I said, just invite your regulars, cool regulars, people who, Mm -hmm. you know, live in the neighborhood. Oh, they must have loved that. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Cool. It was fun. So anyway, um, you have some very creative and surprising recipes in the book. Mm. Like, um, I I can't even pronounce this one. P-L-J-E-S-K... 
I'm not going to pronounce it because I'm I'm going to butcher it. And then all the if Balkan you, people I know are going to say something to me. If you can't pronounce it. It's just a stuffed burger. Well, well, that's what you call it. It's yeah. stuffed Balkan burger. Yeah, it's a okay. stuffed burger. And that's okay. very common. Again, as I mentioned earlier, my husband's from Macedonia. Uh-huh. And if you go to Macedonia or you go to Bosnia or Montenegro or Croatia, mm-hmm. you'll see this stuffed burger burger on mm-hmm. every menu oh cool and um they're just delicious okay and they're they're and it's stuffed with cheese it's stuffed with cheese but also the meat itself it's usually a blend of, of lamb and 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 beef mm. yeah um, oh it, it, it and then the, it's seasoned me. too the meat is seasoned so mm-hmm. it's almost sort of sausagey in mm-hmm. a way mm-hmm. um it's not like a a typical what you think of when you think of a hamburger in this mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I wanted to I wanted to put a I wanted to put a burger essentially. Yeah. And um yeah. and I just thought that was something that I'd enjoyed eating over the years. So I wanted to include that. Now what is uh I'll try to pronounce this one. Kachipuri. Yes. <laughs> so that's it's a called... Georgian it's a Georgian dish. It's the under uh, the underline is just a boatload of yeah. cheese, yeah. and it looks like that. Yeah, because they're sometimes called cheese boats. Okay, it's basically a yeasted bread that is. Um, it's kind of like a pizza, but um, no tomatoes. No tomatoes, mm-hmm. uh, and the. And it's stuffed with a bunch of different cheeses, and that cheese is usually seasoned with a lot of oregano, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's served with an egg, um, sometimes it's served with other things. I think there's a restaurant in New York City that just is kachapuri. Cheese Boat. Oh, okay, there on, you go. On I think it's on Bedford or Driggs or yeah. in Williamsburg. Yeah, so I've never been there. So you you kind of rip off the cheese and you dip it into this mm-hmm. into the cheese that's in the center. You. You mean the bread? You I'm rip sorry, off yeah, the bread. Yeah, you rip yeah, off the yeah. bread and you and eat it, and it's it's just super cheesy. Mm-hmm. And I live in a neighborhood where there are a lot of um, Georgian people oh. and Georgian restaurants. Kew mm, Gardens in well in Forest Hills and oh, Rego okay. Park. Okay. Um, so I had had them and just thought they were delicious and thought it was kind of a, you know, I wasn't going to do a pizza, mm-hmm. but I wanted something with a with a bread with a yeasted mm-hmm. dough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a good. It's a it's a fine collection of various cheeses, cheese recipes from the world. Yeah, I tried to. I wanted to just get people to think beyond Europe when they were thinking about cheese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, soups. Now, mm. which do you make most often in the book? I make the broccoli soup a lot. Okay, and I. The French onion's a little more elaborate, mm-hmm. um, but I would say I definitely do French on- onion mm-hmm. a couple times a year. My husband really likes it. Uh, I want to try the potato cheese and corn soup. Oh, yeah. The sopa de locra. <laughs> I, love, I love soup with corn in it. Oh. That's, that's interesting. That should be on your Tinder. <laughs> Oh, maybe I should write that a should Tinder. Just, that should I just should be do. your line. It should just say, Diane, I corn. like soup with corn in it. <laughs> I don't know how that would work, <laughs> but okay. Um, let's see. So uh, I have a few more questions. Mm, okay. What do you mean by sizzlers? Okay. 
for the question. for the audience. Yeah, so I have a chapter in the book called Sizzlers, and mm-hmm. those are cheeses that get hot but don't melt. Okay, and they're generally cheeses that you would either grill or cook in like a really hot pan so that they're sizzling. Mm-hmm. We know these cheeses when we eat out as halloumi. Mm-hmm. Um, halloumi is probably the most famous, but like bread cheese is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted, I really wanted to include those cheeses because they're easy and fun to cook with. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I don't think people, they think of them as restaurant experience mm-hmm. cheeses and mm-hmm. not as something that you would cook at home. And they're actually really, really, really easy and mm. fast to cook at home. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely wanted to include those. And those are cheeses that don't melt, essentially. Right. Yeah. And you wanted to use the word sizzle in the title, probably. Yeah, I think that came <laughs> after. But yeah, I mean, I wanted to... Yes, it seems so, you know, sexy, sizzle. I just was thinking, too, about, like, you know, when you go to a restaurant, I was reading this on tour the other day, and someone gets a fajita, and, mm-hmm. like, the whole room is, like, enthralled <laughs> by this, like, sizzling plate mm-hmm. of chicken or whatever. I feel like it's the same thing with cheese when you go to a restaurant and say you order halloumi, and the whole dining room's like, oh, you know, oh, I want that. <laughs> and it's, like, a big event. And so I really wanted to capture that for the home cook. Okay. Now, I have a picture in mm-hmm. here that looks like drugs, Wait, where it's on page twenty nine. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the one with the head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looks like drugs. Well, it it's got a drug feel to it. I I really. Let me see. Where did it go? Twenty nine. I thought it was on twenty nine. Looks like no, drugs. that's too early. It's oh. The, um, oh no, no, it's a spoon, and then oh. it's got it's. Oh yeah, that's a totally, blue cheese sauce. It totally looks like drugs. So, so the book starts out with just sauces. Yes. right. Yes, and I started the I started that way because sauces are a building block, but also because you can learn a lot about how cheese cooks by making sauces. Okay. And you learn a lot of the basic techniques of cooking with cheese by starting with sauces. So like it would temper be your cheese, for a, move slowly, a, a, stir a, constantly, maintain uh, your heat, all of that. Oh, so you le- would, could learn that by starting in the beginning of the book yeah. and cooking through it. Right. So if you if you I introduce in the first chapter which is sauces um, a lot of the basic techniques that you need to successfully cook with cheese. Okay. So Diane is talking about, she's accusing me of having a drug <laughs> photograph. And I, I guess I understand what she's saying. Well, it's called blue cheese sauce. Yeah. And it's called an umami bath. Yeah. And it's got a picture of very sexy melted cheese mm-hmm. with a spoon yeah. that could be used for drugs with aluminum foil. I, you know, of all, I mean, believe me, I go through every, like, there's a lot of subliminal stuff in all of my books, but I have to say, Diane, I did not think about that. And Uh-oh. this just proves that when you look at an image, you bring your own experiences <laughs> <laughs> to the page. Oh, I see. Now here's the other crazy picture that I absolutely love. What uh, page is that? Hot cheese worth fighting for. 
Oh, yeah, the Malakoff. This is a picture of a person um, with something, some fried cheese on their head. Yeah. <laughs> that is, it's actually not a person. It's a statue. Well, but it's yes, a, yes, yeah. yes. But it's, it's a fancy person, a yeah. fancy statue. Yeah. Where did you get? Do you own that statue? No, that was from the prop stylist, Christopher Spaulding, mm-hmm. who's amazing <laughs> and who I love working with so much. Now, is the statue all the way up to the cheese ball? Well, the statue is like a bust, like okay. one that you would put on, you know, a piano or something. Yeah. yeah. And then we put the Malakoff on top of that right. head. Right. So it almost looks like a little cheese chapeau. Yes, but why is there white going up to the... Because we kind of stuck it on the the top. And it's a Malakoff? Yeah. Now, what's that? A Malakoff is something that I've been obsessed with for years, and that started when I was working at Murray's Cheese and opened Murray's Cheese Bar for them. Mm -hmm. It's a little Swiss snack, Mm -hmm. um, and it's basically all the flavors of fondue. Mm Mm-hmm. Molded onto a piece of baguette mm-hmm. and then deep fried. <laughs> so when you take it out of the fryer and you crack it open, you know, the cheese melts. Ugh. But it's that flavor. It's the kirsch. It's mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the wine, the nutmeg, the the alpine cheese. The, you know, And the then sp- plus fried. Pl- plus fried. <laughs> So that's a great one. Yeah, and it's um, it's like a fun drinking snack. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was traditionally, uh, it was invented on the battlefield. Hmm. So, if you think about people, the way that men used to make war, they'd be like out in the field for days, mm-hmm. and so there would be other men whose job it was to cook for everyone, right? And so they would like have you know, vats of stuff. And I guess right. they would have like a vat of oil and they mm-hmm. would fry things right. in it. Right. And um, Malakoff is one of the things that they Now, is that what you're referring to by calling it hot cheese worth fighting for? Do you mean fighting over the cheese or fighting the battle? Well, both. Because then in the head note, <laughs> I explained the history of it, that it was, oh, okay. it was part of the ah, yes. Crimean War. and Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, on that happy note, mm-hmm. we will end now that we know which cheese, which hot cheese is worth fighting for. Okay. And I want to thank you again for coming in. Uh, you're a delight, and you're an amazing cheese author. Thank you. And cheese person. This is a good holiday gift. So. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Melt, stretch, and, and I'm, sizzle. I'm Keza Kaiserina on Instagram and Twitter and if you buy my book and you at me or send me a message I will send you a signed book plate so that you can put that in your book as a signed copy excellent and she'll sign my copy I'll sign your copy and I'm just generally very accessible so tag me in your hot cheese explorations and I'll um, I'll give you some love okay great thank you Tia for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.